Um, it's also going to give you a great understanding if you have a specific pitch develop, development plan you're working on. If it's not making hitters more uncomfortable with their swings and they're getting more comfortable with their swings, you need to try something different because that's going to be your number one indicator of whether something's working or not is what is the hitter doing. Hey, this is More Than Velocity. I'm Bart Pear with Jordan Oseguera and Ryan Croton. And today we are going to talk about something a little more um, just practical, something you can do yourself, just talking about self-evaluation of where you are in your development, your potential, and, and where you can get to. And, and Ryan's, um, Ryan and Jordan both have worked with um, you know pitchers at, at different levels, um, you know, from all the way up to the pros, uh, you know, veterans down to um, newcomers to college, even even high school and, and lower. And so um, you always want to know where you fit and uh, and what's uh, what's your potential. So I'm going to let Jordan take this one and get going. Where, where should we start, Jordan? Uh, so I think one thing that's pretty available for almost everyone to do is just access to video. Um, and I think that's a great way when you kind of start going into realistically developing yourself is number one, you need to know where you're at. Because how else do you know where you need to go if you don't know where you currently stand? You know, if I tell, like for instance, right now, Bart is out in Florida, Ryan is in Arizona, and I say, hey guys, we need to meet up in Boston. Those are two completely separate roadmaps that each one of those guys are going to need because they're in completely different regions of the country, they're in different cities, they need different highways. So it's the same thing for development. You know, if you don't know where you stand, you don't know how to get where you need to go. Absolutely. So for me, you know, one of the biggest things that everyone can do is just your general handheld camcorder is 50, 60 bucks. You know, I was looking them up on Amazon the other day. It's something that I wish I would have had a better idea of doing when I was coaching in college and as well as when I was coaching in high school is just set up a camera behind home plate, attach it to the center field fence just to evaluate what you're doing and some really simple things you can do. You know, you don't need to be a biomechanist to know whether you threw a strike or you didn't, you know, because there's too many times that, you know, I, as a player, was going, man, how did that guy hit that ball? But then you go back and see it on film, and you realize you weren't even close to, you know, throwing it to where the catcher was set up. So it, it takes away that guessing what happened to really understanding what actually happened. And I think that's the biggest thing, too, is, you know, you hear, I got lucky, one of my, one of my coaches was, was a Navy SEAL before he became a pitching coach, and he always told us, you know, even in baseball, you got the fog of war. You know, when you start getting into things, you know, he was looking at it from a battle sense that when bullets are flying, not everything's always the clearest. But in baseball, when you start getting runners on and you're in your face the cleanup hitter, not everything's always the clearest in your memory. So video makes the memory a lot more clear. So now you can evaluate what actually happened and you can start determining that roadmap to get to where you need to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to kind of second in on what Jordan is saying with video. I mean, you can see a lot of mechanical breakdown as well, especially if you can put it into slow motion. You know, and for me as a strength coach, one of the things that I would be looking for um, is that lead knee. I'm very interested in lead knee mechanics. And sometimes you'll find pitchers that are just not strong enough and they start sinking into that lead knee so it means that they flex more after foot contact and uh you know some of these things that we we look at through movement can be if they can be fixed 
with training. And, uh, you know, if there is a command issue, it could be a stability issue of their lead knee and they might not be able to brace and get over their lead side. So it's, I think it's also important if the athlete does have, you know, a strength coach and, and a lot of athletes do, they go somewhere privately to train in addition to their pitching coach, they should be sharing video around, um, so that they have multiple stakeholders that can help out with improving a, an athlete's movement. So that, that makes sense to me. So I'm using video one just to actually know what pitches I'm actually throwing and then looking for, maybe I'm not a biomechanist, but I can tell if I'm, if, if something's changed, you know, if from the beginning of my outing to, to when things start going awry, you know, at the end, how do I look? Do I look different? Um, and you know, what we've come to realize and what we talk about here a lot is, is nine times out of 10, that's a, that's a strength, uh, strength endurance, you know, or dealing with fatigue or other issues around there that, that, uh, that can be solved pretty quickly. For sure. You know, and you know, like, like I pointed out, you don't need a biomechanist to just understand if you're moving with consistency. These are things that you can visually see. And what I like about it too is, you know, I have, and, and I preface this by saying you don't need to be a biomechanist to understand if someone's moving consistently when you have proof of it on video. But just because, you know, my big, my big concern that I hear, you know, I've been to a couple of these travel ball tournaments, you know, I've been to high school games, I've been to college games, is there's always the person in the stands that sees someone, you know, yank a fastball or hang a breaking ball. They go, I change his stride angle. But then when you go back and you look at it on video, it was the exact same. You, know, you can measure those things out there. There's uh, programs called Kinovea. It's free. You know, Coach's Eye is extremely affordable. You can use those systems to put angles on there and determine, you know, did this guy really change his stride angle? And you know, most of the time, that answer is no, he just made a bad pitch. But like Ryan's saying, you can start seeing if there is differences, and then you can start addressing those things in the weight room or in your upcoming practices, whatever the, the inefficiency may be. Mm -hmm. I think, too, for the listeners out there understanding where to put your video perspective. So, you know, two of the main um, perspectives that you would want to set up your video is you want to be able to see the pitcher from head on. So their movement coming towards the catcher. So if you're behind the catcher, that's an important place to look at certain things like at how much their trunks tilting, how close they are. You can see a little bit of their separation um, between their shoulders and hips. And then the inside view of the pitcher because now you can see what what's the position of their arm at foot contact what's going on with their lead knee what's so the trunk flexion when you say inside view i want to make sure i'm on the same page for a right hander that would be from third base yep. or a left hander that would be from first base okay correct yeah that would be your inside view and uh taking video of both um you know is i think really important and and a good trained pitching coach if you know the these athletes you know, they might be working with someone private, might be their team coach, but sending them that video is very helpful too um, in, in coaching. You know, um, sometimes our eyes, uh, we don't see certain things. So uh, it, it's important that, you know, the athlete has some running video data to, to give to their coaches to better uh, improve the way that they, they throw. Yeah. And, you know, one more thing to put on that too. 
just on getting those video angles is from outing to outing, bullpen to bullpen, whether it's practice or game, try to be as consistent with setting up that angle as you can. I think it's called parallax air, something like that, something that you need to, you know, it changes the way things look, long story short. But the cool thing about baseball fields is the bases are always going to be in the same configuration regardless of where you go. So if you're always lining up with a specific point on the rubber with your camera angle or a specific point of first base or third base bag on those camera angles, it's going to be the same at every single field you go to regardless of what the outfield dimensions are. They're always going to be the same. If it's 90-foot bases or I think it's, you know, they have a 75 and a 60-foot bases for the younger kids, so long as you're setting up on those consistent angles, you're not going to run into parallax there. So let's move on from video. What else? How do I self-evaluate where I'm at? So uh, to, to self-evaluate but not necessarily moving off from video is I love the center field view if you're evaluating in-game performance uh, or if you get a really good behind home plate view because now you're going to be able to see exactly how hitters are responding to everything you throw to them. So if you have a pitcher who, you know, man, we really need this guy to improve, we'll say a slider. But, you know, it turns out every single hitter is really taking uncomfortable swings. They look like they're not quite seeing it well. There's something unique going on with that. Maybe that's not the pitch we need to be adjusting for our lowest hanging fruit. Maybe he's throwing a changeup and hitters are really comfortable and they're just taking, you know, really aggressive hacks. They're finding the barrel. There's never a hitter that really looks uncomfortable in the box when he's throwing that pitch. It kind of helps you understand which pitches you need to start developing as those lowest hanging fruits, which ones need the most improvement. Um, it's also going to give you a great understanding if you have a specific pitch develop, development plan you're working on. If it's not making hitters more uncomfortable with their swings and they're getting more comfortable with their swings, you need to try something different because that's going to be your number one indicator of whether something's working or not is what is the hitter doing. You know, So if, you, if you're working on something on your own, and you go, man, you know, I'm using, you know, Rapsodo or Pitch Logic, whatever your pitch development tool is, or if you're just working on it in the backyard, you're drawing a line on the ball, whatever works. But the hitters are getting more comfortable in the box when you're looking at them on video. You need to start doing something different because the goal is not to make the hitter comfortable <laughs> as a pitcher. Uh, so the way they're responding is going to give you a ton of feedback uh, on how your pitch development's going as well. Excellent. I like that a lot. What about uh, runners? Yeah, so this is a huge thing. And it the, the rules have changed in minor league baseball to where it's specific levels you can't even pick off to bases anymore. So holding the runners is, is more and more important as you go. Um, I ran some correlation studies on a couple things. And depending on the division of college you're in, stolen bases is a huge indicator of runs allowed. Uh, not for everything, you know. Not necessarily in the SEC. It's more about how many home runs and doubles you're giving up. But for a lot of the other universities out there, the amount of stolen bases you're giving up is huge in terms of putting your team in a position to win. So being able to hold the runners by varying looks, you know, when you're picking, how you're picking, your times to home plate, you know, you need to you need to mix those things up while not sacrificing what you're doing at the plate to get the hitter out because you still need to get the hitter out. You know, I I rarely see someone steal home. So it's still more important to get the guy at the plate out who, who has the offensive tool in his hands to try to knock you out of the game. But you know, on the other hand, you need to make sure you're not letting the guy just advance 90 feet closer to letting a bloop single score. 
So, you know, you really need to vary looks, picks, and your times to home plate to keep the runners from having you run into a pattern to where now they can get better jumps and get from, yeah, you know, first to second or even go first to third on singles. Yeah, I wanted to kind of touch because I was a position player on on pitchers. I would always look for certain tells, you know, if there was uh, particular patterns that the pitcher would use that that would tip me off that he's he's picking off you know sometimes it's their hand position sometimes it's the way that they flex their knees sometimes it's the way that they approach themselves on the mound and get their feet dug in so i think too if there's opportunities while you're you're filming um you might be able to catch how you know certain tips you know that are tipping off the runner um that can help a pitcher too so, you know, Jordan, in, in terms of that inside look, you know, is, is that a, a place where you want to be able to film that from? Or should like a parent um, or a coach also film from the backside at times with runners on to, you so, know, to see? I would say it depends on the level. As you start getting players into college, I think it's really important to make sure they're not tipping on what it is they're doing for whether it's they do a specific thing that they're tipping when they're coming set or how they breathe, or if they have a specific tell. I mean, there, there's teams that keep track of guys anytime they pitch in a minor league setting all the way up through the big leagues, and they're just monitoring guys because they don't know if someone in you know low A is going to get to the big leagues. And by the time they get there, they have four years of data on them. So now they can look and go, when he picks, he does A. When he pitches, he does B. When he throws breaking ball, he does C. So now the hitter can be at the plate and he realizes these things or the runners on whatever base they're on and they know I can see this from the backside. I have the runner's perspective or I have the hitter's perspective as best I can and they're looking for any advantage they can because hitting is not easy. You know, I, even though if you go look at my numbers it makes it look like hitting's extremely a, a breeze and easy to do. And on a side note, I never once had to worry about holding runners cuz the opposing manager knew it didn't matter where the runner was. They were in scoring position because I was, I was going to get pummeled at the end of the day. <laughs> um, I didn't need to worry about holding runners. I just needed to worry about covering third. Um, but long story short, they're looking for tips. They're looking for tells, especially the higher level of baseball you get. There's people that are paid to do that stuff, and hitters are really good at it. You know, I've you know, worked with guys who pitch with specific organizations where in spring training they would have the hitter standing in on bullpens and then as the pitcher came set, you know, hey, curveball. He goes, well, how do you know I'm doing that? Well, you're doing this. And I see, you know, this specific thing with your left foot. When you come set out of the windup, I know you're throwing a curveball. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden that, that hitter goes, hey, I'm getting my reps in on finding specific tells. And the pitcher's understanding when he's doing something because everyone's looking for an advantage. Pitchers keep getting better. Hitters are looking for every advantage they can get, and they're going to take it, and I don't blame them when it comes down to it. Yep. So if there's, there's organizations out there that are keeping records of, of all of your habits or pitch, you know, if you're a pitcher, it would make sense that you journal your own habits and processes and, uh, and keep a track of, of where you are, correct? For sure. I don't know if you want to hop on that one, Ryan, or you want me to take it first. I mean, I, I can give you from my perspective. Um, I wasn't a pitcher. I was a position player, but I would journal all my at-bats. I would come in, 
uh, and I would write down. I, I didn't have a great memory. Some 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 players they're unbelievable. They can relive at bats in their head. They know the counts, what was thrown. Um, I couldn't. I would come in and kind of you know dissect my at bat. Um, and I kind of think about, am I offering at the best pitches possible? And, you know, where is this, this pitcher really trying to throw on me? Um, and, uh, I, I just think it was an important process for my development, uh, in terms of, uh, approaching each at bat. Cause I knew the second or third at bat after my first at bat, the second or third at bat against the same pitcher was going to be pretty good. I was going to have better outcomes. Um, but I'm not sure on the pitching side, that would be more on your end, Jordan. Yeah, so for me, you need to journal on a day-to-day basis because you need to know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you're going to get it done. Um, Especially when you start getting to those higher levels, you need to find out not necessarily what works, but what didn't work. Because that's what baseball is, is you're going to be screwing up way more than you're going right. So the quicker you can learn what does not work for you when facing – a specific style of hitter or a specific individual or for your last five to seven days of preparation, if that didn't work, now you at least have something documented of where you need to go. And again, I use that roadmap analogy. How do you know where you need to actually, what, what freeway do you need to get on if you don't even know what part of the country you're in? So that's the big thing is the more information you're writing down and journaling on you and your own process, the more you figure out how to actually take control of your results. Because a lot of guys in their development, it's almost like they're throwing spaghetti at a wall. They get spaghetti, they get a, they throw it, and if something sticks, then, hey, look, we had a good result. It's like, well, why? Why did you have a good result? I don't know. Let's just throw more food at the wall and see what happens. As opposed to going, well, I did this, 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 and this. This was a bad outing. I believe this was good. I believe this was good. I'm unsure about this. Let's remove that and replace this with this and see what happens. So now we're actually having a process to understand how we're going to improve, how we're going to target our development, and what is and is not working moving forward. Sounds good. I love it. Um, Anything else? Yeah, the more honest you can be in evaluating yourself, you need to be your harshest critic. You know, if mom, dad, or, or your manager is your harshest critic, you don't have a high enough standard for you. Um, so whatever their standard is, yours needs to be better. Be your own best self-evaluator, be your own self-discipliner, whatever that means. And just take your own best notes. Cause at the end of the day, you're the one responsible for it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the last thing I wanted to add is if, if your coaches, uh, or teammates aren't, tr- aren't charting games, I think it'd be important for, um, you know, for them to take record of how you're performing, because, you know, having conversation with your coach is also important too. Um, and it keeps them really aligned. You know, sometimes if, if you don't have a coaching staff, that's really focused on the metrics and you need that information, it's a good process because these game reviews, they happen as you get to higher levels, pitching coaches are going to go through, you know, how you're performing. And so getting used to that communication Um, and getting to those critical points is important. Yeah, I just, I know, uh, we thought we were wrapping this up, so I apologize, but if you're not paying attention to those metrics, which is why if you combine a game chart, just simply keeping track of what's happening in the game, like you're keeping the scorebook along with 2d video. And again, we'll go back to pitch development. How do you know you're getting better at a pitch if it's not getting swung and missed that more? Unless you're tracking that information, you don't know you're just guessing. You know, it's the same way, like, 
you know, obviously our, our, our system is a strength measure. How do you know you're actually getting stronger unless you're assessing it? You're just, at the end of the day, do you want to guess or do you want to actually know what's happening? And it's the same thing. If your, 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 your game plan for the last seven days was to improve your first pitch strike percentage, how do you know you're doing it unless you're keeping track? If your game plan was to lower your walk percent over the month of July, how do you know unless you're comparing it to your other months? You don't know unless you're actually taking track of those things, and not everywhere does that. And it's important, again, take command of it on your own. It's not that difficult to get set up on these things. And if you really want to be serious about development, it doesn't cost that much money to get going on it. And you're never going to be upset if you invest in you at the end of the day. Absolutely. All right. Well, this is the More Than Velocity podcast. And uh, until next time, take care.